Good afternoon from Indianapolis. I'm Eric Allen here, joined alongside by the New York Post, Brian Costello. The 2017 NFL Combine is officially underway. Kaz, what do you think about this uh, new environment? Because we are at the convention center. Uh, in years past, we were packed like sardines over at Lucas Oil. It just keeps getting bigger. It feels like every year there's more and more media covering this. It's amazing. You know, and now they've gotten us a bigger room and bigger, you know, more space a little bit and move this out of the stadium, which I think is better. Uh, but it's just amazing how many people cover this thing every year and how many more there are every year covering it. And the thing that's going to change this year is that the fans are going to yeah. be making their way through here uh, tomorrow. Actually, uh, workouts begin. Yeah. And this is the NFL's fan experience here in Indianapolis. And you folks can't see this at home, but you'll be able to check this out later on NewYorkJets.com and all our social media platforms is that fans can go to the bench press area, take a look at that. They can run the 40-yard dash. They can test their verticals um, in the vertical jump area. Uh, this is a massive, uh, a massive undertaking here in Indy. Will you be doing the bench press, Eric? Will you go for the fans? I'd like to. I think go for Jets.com, uh, right? Uh, 225, I'll do about four or five times. What do you think about that? Hey, you look like you're in good shape. I <laughs> think you can do it. Now, you do some CrossFit yourself. So you, you I don't think go? I could do it. No? No, I don't think I could do it. Um, obviously, uh, in Jets news, very uh, busy off season. As we expected, uh, Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan were supposed to be at the podium here yeah. at the conven- uh, convention center today. Unfortunately, that's not taking place. So uh, they will actually uh, talk to the reporters probably tomorrow. Hopefully like, tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, and then we'll carry that live. But uh, first things first, Kaz, the Jets, a uh, number of prominent offseason moves here, uh, and most recently releasing Darrell Rivas. Yeah, you know, I think every winter you're kind of conditioned and used to this now that there's going to be cuts for the salary cap reasons, but these are some big names. You know, you talk about Darrell Rivas. Revis, you talk about Nick Mangold. These are guys who are probably going to be in the ring of honor someday. You know, Revis is 24, I think could be retired someday. And you see those names getting cut. It's still startling, even though we kind of have been talking about it for a little while, that it might happen. It's just amazing to think about it and amazing to think about how much transition has happened with this team in the last few years. And to see those guys go, uh, you know, I think it's just startling to see the names and see it actually happen. And, you know, the Jets are clearly turning the roster over. Mike McCann is, you know, turning the page on the last two years of what he's done, and I think it's, you know, this is the signal that the times are changing. We're on the Jets right now. Revis guys uh, last year, just the one takeaway, but in 2015, after yeah. he came back to the Jets, he actually had a career-high nine takeaways, and uh, when you look at the Jets defensively in 2016, that was the one thing that Todd Bowles continued to say. That, that was the biggest difference yeah. in our unit year-to-year was the lack of takeaway. Yeah, they just couldn't get the takeaways in 2016. I think when you look at the signing of Revis in 2015, it's easy to say, oh, it was a mistake. But in my eyes, I understand what the Jets were thinking. They were coming off a tough season in 2014. They had regime change. It was a way to get a big name in here and to to give the fans something to feel good about. And he was coming off a good season, and he had a good season in 2015 for the most part. So I understand it. And, you know, I think ultimately, you know, when we get five years away or ten years away, and the Jets are honoring Darrell 
Davis, no one's going to remember 2016. They're going to remember 2009. They're going to remember the interception in San Diego. They're going to remember the interception on September 11th, 2011 against Dallas. They're going to remember all those great memories of Revis and not necessarily some of the struggles he had last year. Woody Johnson said in a statement that, hey, listen, Darrell Revis's home is always going to be here with the Jets. You also mentioned Nick yep. Mangold, a guy who the Jets drafted, played 11 seasons here with the green and white, seven Pro Bowls, um, a number of all pro appearances or honors, I should say, as well, uh, an elite center. And yeah. that, that's a tough one, too. And then Mike McKagan said with that decision, tough business decision. Yeah, you know, I think with Mangold, it's funny, the center, it's hard to appreciate that. They're not in the highlights. You know, you don't see a lot of film on them on TV. You don't know what's going on necessarily, you know, in the trenches. To me, the, the moment I realized what Mangold meant to this team was when he wasn't on the field. You know, I remember in 2011, he missed two games. And it was the first time he had missed games. And things just weren't operating well for the offense. And there were blitzes, blitzers coming from everywhere. And Mark Sanchez was ducking and diving in Baltimore. I remember in a night game. That's right. And, you know, it was like, wow. You know, Mangold might be the MVP. <laughs> the, the, the way they, they couldn't handle it without him. And so, you know, if you talk to his teammates and you talk to the quarterbacks he's played with, you, know, you can't overstate the importance he had to this team. He really was the brains of the offense on the field. And he had some young quarterbacks to work with through the years with Sanchez coming in, Geno Smith. And, you know, he was kind of the guy who guided them when they were in their early days and helped them through it. So, you know, I think um, the time had come, clearly. You know, they had to make this decision. It was a business decision. But Mangle's another one who's going to be clearly honored by the Jets someday and, you know, will always be, I think, a fan favorite for the Jets. Yeah, two future uh, ring honor inductees, no doubt about it, in uh, Mangold and Revis. Uh, 2006, the Jets drafted the Rickshaw Ferguson out of Virginia, number four overall. Yep. They came back 25 picks later in the first round took a center out of Ohio State by the name of Nick Mangold and uh, wow those, out. Those, <laughs> those two had a hell of a run we know DeBrickshaw Ferguson obviously uh, retired uh, before the 2016 campaign and yeah. now uh, Nick Mangold becomes a free agent and, and he said very clearly that uh, we'll see where the future holds it looks like yeah. he'll be playing again somewhere. yeah i think he'll play somewhere and if you look at it you know in 2006 they take the brigashaw and mangold 2007 they take Darrell and, and david, david harris, harris yeah. and that was really the foundation of then that run to the playoffs in 2009 2010 and those really good teams and i think you know the jets you always hear people talk build through the draft build through the draft. that was truly building through the draft and then you supplement around it you know i think for mike mccagnan now when you're looking at it, turning the page now, that's what you want to duplicate. <laughs> you want to try to get two guys two years back, back to back that are going to be, you know, 10-year players for you. That's the way it works, you know. Now we can take the questions. Uh, we're live here in Indianapolis at the Convention Center. Eric Allen joined alongside by the New York Post, Brian Costello. The 2017 NFL Combine underway. In addition to... Uh, Revis and Mangold, uh, the Jets also let the number two score yeah. in their franchise's history go. And Nick Folk, who had a, a tremendous run himself, don't, yeah. don't underestimate his importance, not only on the field as game-winning kicks and uh, 
uh, he had a tremendous year last year, but the the guy, just like uh, Nick and uh, Darrell, have done some good things in the community as well during their time here. Yeah, that one surprised me a little more than Mangold and Rivas. I kind of saw those common folk. I, I didn't see coming as much as cap number wasn't as large, but... You know, yeah, I mean, the game-winning kicks, you go through them and you start thinking about, you know, in, here in Indianapolis, yeah, in Indianapolis no, <laughs> you know, right down the road yeah. um, is the biggest one probably. But then against Dallas, we talked about Darrell's interception, set up folks' field goal against the Cowboys. 10-year anniversary, 9-11. 9-11, you know, yep. crazy night at MetLife and, you know, one of the loudest nights I think I remember at MetLife Stadium. So, you know, folk had a really good run for the Jets. You don't see kickers have runs like this often. So uh, I think the Jets will miss him. And, you know, maybe fans, you know, don't understand how important he was. And you're right, he was a good guy in the locker room, too. Breno Giacomini, another good guy in the locker room. Uh, yeah. First two years here with the Jets, he started 32 games, a back ailment. Uh, really set him back last year. He's limited yeah. to five games. And he couldn't overcome that. Uh, the Jets uh, let him go. Yeah, you know, and Breno, I thought, brought some toughness to the line. He was always a good guy in the locker room. He was fun to talk to, funny guy, you know. Maybe he brought a little too much toughness with the penalties he got <laughs> from time to time. But, you know, I think, you know, the writing was on the wall this year with Breno's back that that's a tough injury to come back from when you're a 300-pound offensive lineman and back injury. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, he, he did some good things for the Jets at the time he was there, but, you know, it was clearly time to move on for them. So what do these releases mean for a number of the young guys on this roster? We just talked about yeah. Breno Giacomini. How about a guy like Brandon Shell? Could he yeah. be in line to be the starting right tackle? The Jets release Darrell Rivas. Does that mean, hey, we're going to be expecting more out of a guy like uh, Justin Burris next yeah. year? And then Nick Mangold went out last year. I thought uh, Wes Johnson came in, yeah. and, uh, in and played uh, pretty well himself. Yeah, I thought Wes did a good job too last year, and I thought – I could see kind of as the season was going on, I felt like the Jets were seeing what he could do, and that factored into the Mangle decision. Like, hey, maybe we can live with Wes at center, so I think he's going to get a good crack at that. And the younger guys, I, I think now the 2017 is about let's see what these young guys can do that they drafted. You know, they've Mike McCagney and Tobles and Woody Johnson repeatedly. We were going to build through the draft, build through the draft. It gets tedious when you're sitting at a press conference and hear it over and over again, but it's truly what, you know, they're trying to do. Well, now it's time to see what they've built, I think, in these last two years, and then this year what they can get in the draft. So can Brandon Shell slip in there and be the right tackle? Can Justin Burris be the cornerback? Is Lorenzo Malden going to take that next step and kind of solidify himself as that pass rusher on the outside? Of course, they have the quarterbacks, Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg. Can one of them emerge? You know, uh, so I think now's the time to see. Let's, let's see what McCagnon has done in these first two drafts, and then I think this year, they're going to be looking to add to that with you know at least two or three guys, I think, in those first few picks that can play right away. What are you most interested to hear uh, from both Mike McKagan and Todd Bowles when they go to the podium uh, tomorrow? I, I'm interested to hear, you know, philosophically what they're thinking, how honest they'll be if they think, you know, we've heard competitive rebuild for the last two years. Well, is now a true rebuild? Is now they're really going at it? Um, you know, they... The, the most interesting thing to me right now is the two tracks, long-term and short-term. For Todd, this is year three. Traditionally in the NFL, that's, you know, coaches got to get to the playoffs. Coaches have to do big things in year three. Will he be able to do that if the Jets are so focused on going young and starting to turn the page toward, you know, the next wave here? It's an interesting balance. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear that. Um, you know, they've had some time to reflect on the season. And now it's time to start looking ahead to 2017. 
I'm always interested to hear about quarterbacks. <laughs> What's the plan at quarterback? I think that's probably the biggest question on everyone's minds, um, you know, which, was, is, which isn't unusual with this team. You know, every year it feels like there's some kind of question with quarterback. Last year was could they get a deal done with Fitz? And now this year is who's going to be the next quarterback? Yeah, you mentioned uh, Hackenberg uh, retro season. I think yeah. that was the plan all along. If you listen to those guys even before the season started, and then uh, Petty got his feet wet. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, suffered the torn labrum in his left shoulder, non-throwing shoulder. Yeah. Uh, so he should be back. So you got two young guys on the roster, and then uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Geno Smith, both unrestricted free agents. Actually, uh, Gino spoke to NFL Network this yeah. week, and he said he's keeping all options on the table. Yeah, you know, and with Gino, I think that's a situation where I don't think that's going to probably be the first choice for either side. But I do think if the Jets look around and um, don't see what don't see anything they really like, and I think if Gino looks around and isn't getting the offers he likes, they might come back together and, and make a deal. So I can see that happening uh, for sure there with Gino. Cause uh, there's a couple Twitter questions here. Um, Curtis asks, what does a cap look like right now for the Jets? Well, after the, the Revis release becomes official, I think they're going to be about $27 million under the cap. Um, you know, and they can still create some more space if they make a few more moves. So I think, you know, they'll have enough room to, to make moves in free agency, that's for sure. And, and Daniel asked specifically how much uh, did the, the impending release of Revis, how much money did that free up? for the, That to... frees up $9.3 million. Durrell was scheduled to make 15.3 in 2017. Six of it's guaranteed, so 9.3 gets cleared up by that. Um, I had to ask you about the coaching changes here. Uh, obviously, uh, Kevin Green yeah. comes in and coaches outside linebackers. Leroy Glover, assistant defensive line coach. Jets have a new offensive coordinator in John Morton and a new quarterbacks coach in Jeremy Bates. is yeah. coming back for his second stint uh, here with the Jets. Yeah, a lot of turnover on the staff. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what John Morton does. I don't think anyone really knows. You know, he's never been a coordinator before. He comes from New Orleans. He's been with Sean Payton, been with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. So those are obviously good offensive minds, and we'll see what he brings. And, um, you know, defensively, I, I'm interested in what Kevin Green does. I've heard good things. I actually talked to A.J. Hawk a few weeks ago, and he said, you know, wait till you see this guy on the field and the energy he brings. And I think the Jets could use that. <laughs> they were kind of a mellow group last year, and I think they could use somebody that's kind of a little bit crazy out on the practice field and bring some energy. That's uh, the New York Post's Brian Costello. You can follow him, obviously, at the Post, and he'll be uh, covering the Combine uh, wire-to-wire tomorrow, Todd Bowles <laughs> and Mike McTagnan yep. at the podium here. We're going to bring in uh, Monday morning quarterbacks, Albert Breer, here momentarily. Thanks, guys, so Thanks much for, uh, for, for joining us. And uh, listen, um, the player workouts in Indianapolis uh, begin uh, tomorrow. Like I said, Bowles and McKagan will speak uh, to the media Friday, uh, Thursday, excuse me, and then the quarterbacks here in Indy uh, will uh, talk as well. Um, we're here at the Indianapolis Convention Center at the 2017 NFL Combine underway. You just heard from the New York Post, uh, Brian Costello. Momentarily, we're going to be joined by Albert Breer, of Monday morning quarterback uh, com, of course. Uh, Albert, thank you so much for joining us. You got it, bud. Uh, how are you enjoying uh, the new gig? It's oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. You know, it's kind of an opportunity to, you know, work on building something. And I think that the the model, uh, you know, for what what we have is 
something that's effective. I think we've seen it work in other places. I mean, you know, in essence, Barstool is a vertical. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, you know, obviously Bill Simmons has had some success with it, both at ESPN and now on his own with The Ringer. Um, you know, Woj has done a great job with the vertical at Yahoo. And so um, it's been a great opportunity to kind of get in and try to help build something where, I, you know, I think that the it's in a place where the business is going. How long has it been now, and what Almost are some? One of the what are some of the projects that you're currently working on? Yeah, I mean, I like right now. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff going on, but I, you know, I'll have a story up tomorrow on Joe Mixon and, um, you know, what the who who he is, you know, and I think that if he had been, if they hadn't put the rule in to prevent him from coming, and obviously Chad Kelly and Demario uh, uh, Stringfellow were also affected by that, uh, this would be Joe Mixon week. Yeah. Because of the video that came out in December. And so, um, you know, I, I talked to Joe last week. I've talked to a couple of people at Oklahoma. I've talked to a couple of people around the league. And um, just trying to get an assessment on, on, on who he is and, and what teams think of him. And, um, you know, I think once we get out of here, you know, Oklahoma's Pro Day is next week. And so that's going to be a very, very big story. And so that, that's the next thing that's, uh, that's going to go up um, for me. How are teams... Uh, approaching Joe Mixon, like you said, 330 of the yeah. top college prospects are here, and Mixon is one of the better players, or was one of the better players in college football. But uh, obviously, uh, it, it, situation there sure. uh, uh, hit, hit a, a woman. It was on tape. Yeah, that was released, and um, yeah, he, he was not invited here to, to the combine. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that a big part of it from the league's perspective, I mean, they've turned, they've turned this into a TV show, and so they didn't want the TV show this week to be Joe Mixon week, which, you know, we've seen that in the past with guys like Cam Newton and Manti Teo and Johnny Manziel, where one personality kind of, like, that, that becomes what the week's all about. And so um, I, I think they wanted to, and they actively wanted to avoid that, and that's, I think, the real reason why he's not here. Um, look, what, what he did, I mean, there's no question it's horrific. You know, and that video is absolutely positively revolting to watch it's so jarring anytime right. you actually see it and that's the issue you know is because they had you know in july of 2014 that happened and you know i i you know i talking to people around him like um you know he stayed there in oklahoma and it was a very tough environment obviously and um you know I, it would have been easy for him to cut his losses and leave i think teams like the fact that he stuck it out there um, you can question whether or not Oklahoma should have kept him, but that's not on the kid. You know what I mean? And so there's um, there's just, I think when you look at it, there's a, he had, he had kind of moved past it, you know, as a college player. And he'd gotten to the point where he was well beyond where, um, you know, where that was a, where that was affecting him all that much. And right. then the video kind of gave it new life. And it's a good example of how video changes everything. We certainly saw it in the Ray Rice case. Um, you know, there have been other cases like Tyree Kill where you didn't see the same level of attention um, on an incident because there the, wasn't the video. The not there. Then, yep. Right. And so I think the question becomes, I mean, there are going to be certain teams that can't touch them. You know, like the Giants and the, and the, um, you know, the Ravens. Teams that have been through that probably can't touch them. But I think a lot of teams will look at it and say, oh, we think he's learned his lesson. Um, what he did is horrible, um, but, you know, he did all the right things for the last three years, and uh, that happened on the day after his 18th birthday, and we think he deserves a second chance. And, I, I, look, here's the bottom line. In the NFL, the second chances are a function of talent. And if this is an average player, he may not get a shot in the NFL. This is not an average player. I mean, this is like a first-round type of back, and so 
somebody I think is going to be sitting there in the third or fourth round decides worth to take the risk. Albert Breer uh, from Monday Morning Quarterback joining us right now on NewYorkJets.com and Facebook Live on Team's Facebook uh, page. Uh, we're taking the live questions right now. And Andy asks, uh, what positions should the Jets target in the draft? we got to go through free agency Yeah, first. I mean, well, the easiest I mean, the easiest one I think that, that everybody would look at is offensive line based on the attrition there the last couple of years um, with, you know, obviously Brick and then Clady being gone now and Nick Mangold being gone. Um, the problem is that it's not going to be easy to address that in the draft, and so you, you have to look at free agency. And because there are teams out there that need offensive line help um, and know that, it, that this isn't a very good group of offensive linemen coming out, um, there are going to be bidders in free agency on, on, on offensive linemen. And so, uh, you know, I think that's an obvious area of concern where they need to, to find answers. The flip side, you know, another one of their, their big needs would be corner, you know, and, and there's a deep group of free agents and there's a deep group in the draft, 10, 11 corners that could go in the first couple rounds. So, um, you know, they, they, they're in a good spot at that position because, you know, there's just, there's, there, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of options for them out there. And then, of course, the big question is who's your quarterback in the future? And I think they're still sorting through that. Like that part of it, I mean, Part of why you bring in Jeremy Bates is to get a clearer read on Christian Hackenberg and, and, and try and figure out if if he's fixable. And so they're going through that process now, and you know we'll see whether it affects what they do in April. Yeah, you've been uh, covering the NFL for a long time yeah. now, so you've been around a number of these guys. What, what do you think about uh, Todd Bowles' addition at the offensive coordinator uh, spot with John Morton? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think one of the things that made it tough for them to make a hire is perception that Todd could be in on shaky ground, which is tough, you know. I mean, it's just, if, if, if you're an offensive coordinator candidate, would you rather go with, like, say, Mike McCoy, would you rather go with Vance Joseph, who's going to be a first-year coach in Denver, um, you know, you know you're going to have a couple years to build something, or would you go into, would you want to go to a place where, you know, a guy's job could potentially be in the line? And, you know, the reality of it is I think they dealt with that to some degree. They also dealt with, you know, some bright young candidates being blocked, and so... I know it wasn't an easy process, but um, Morton, Morton's got a good reputation, and you know I think bringing in Jeremy Bates to backstop him, a guy who's got a lot of play calling experience, helps. Um, you know, I, I, I the, really the way I look at it, you know, I, I think you bring in a, a well-respected coordinator, and I think there's going to be some delegating of responsibility there. It'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. Yeah. Uh no doubt about it. Uh, free agency is going to come right after the combine this year because yep. we're sitting here in Indy. It, it's late. It's March first already. When we get back, we'll be talking about free agency moves. You talked about uh, maybe the Jets addressing the cornerback position, and you said you like the depth and talent there um, up at the top. Uh, who are some of the names that jump out at you? Well, I mean, in the draft, you've got. The, the Ohio State kids, Marshawn Lattimore and Gary and Conley. You've got the Florida kids, Quincy Wilson and Tease Tabor. Um, there's just, I mean, there's just a lot of them. You know, like there's just, and, and there are a lot of people who feel like the 11th or 12th corner could wind up being as good as the third or the fourth corner to go. And so um, the good news is there's a lot of them. Most of them are very physically talented. You've got a lot of the Seattle-type corners with, you know, long arms and tall and all of that. So, you know, I think you're going to have a lot of good options. And if you want to take one-sixth overall, 
there's a good chance there'll be a player there at that position that's worth taking that high. Uh, Kevin from Facebook, Albert, wants to know, offense or defense at six for the Jets? You touched upon that a little bit. Uh, we know the Jets, just looking back at the history, it's just the way uh, everything has yeah. fallen. It's, they're taking a lot of defensive players in the first round. you got to go back to uh, Mark Sanchez and Dustin yeah. Keller uh, over the last ten first-round picks for yeah. offensive players. For the well, Jets. I think it's... It sounds like a cop out, but I think it's quarterback or defense. Like, yep. like if you see a quarterback there, you think can be the future of your franchise, and I know they'll go through that process. I think Mr. Trubisky can be your quarterback for the next ten years. You take him. Um, if you don't, you know, I think the strength of the class is in defense. And so, whether it's you know a corner like a Lattimore, whether it's a safety like a Malik Hooker or Jamal Adams, whether it's, I mean. Jonathan Allen probably doesn't doesn't slip to you, and I don't know that he'd be a fit because you're okay in the interior of the defensive yeah. line. But um, there's a lot of good defensive talent up towards the top end of the draft, and so if you're not going to take a quarterback there at six overall, I think the value is going to be somewhere on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and, and lastly, Albert, what are you most looking forward to from uh, McCagnan and Bowles when they actually do talk to the media here in Indy? I'm interested to see how they address the quarterback situation. I'm interested to see how, you know, now having John Morton and Jeremy Bates in-house for a few weeks, I'm curious to see how they talk about Christian Hackenberg now, talk about Bryce Petty now, because they've now had a fresh set of eyes on those guys, you know? And so I'd be interested in hearing how they, you know, discuss the quarterback situation. The other thing, of course, and I think this is kind of an overarching thing, is talking about rebuilding, you know, because they, um, I think they, they inherited a team in 2015 that was in desperate need of a rebuild, and you know they, the whole competitive rebuild thing, that 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 term was nice when you put that you know layer of veteran players on top of what you had, um, you know, already on the team. You know, the problem is is that you get a few injuries and the thing can fall apart pretty quickly. And so I think that's the difference between 15 and 16. In 15, they stayed relatively healthy. A lot of their older players performed. And then in 16, more injuries. You know, some of the older players fell off a cliff. And, you know, that puts you in the position where you were two years ago, which is, you know, still in need of a rebuild and now probably without the resources to make yourself a playoff team in the short term. That's Albert Breer from MondayMorningQuarterback.com. You're doing tremendous work there. Uh, and we'll be following you. Uh, next story, uh, Albert's going to be covering uh, Joe Mixon, who is not here, but 330 of the top college prospects are here. Good seeing you, Albert. Good to see you, too. That's Albert Breer from MondayMorningQuarterback.com. Uh, of course, we are here in Indy, the 2017 NFL Combine underway. We're at the convention center. We've been joined uh, both by the New York Post, uh, Brian Costello and Albert Breer. Uh, Kim Jones from NFL Network will be on set momentarily. Uh, fans will be rolling through here in Indianapolis uh, tomorrow to take part in this experience. There's a lot of uh, displays, 40-yard dash, uh, vertical jump. Uh, uh, folks can uh, go through here, uh, go to the bench press, uh, watch the guys uh, take part in all that. As far as the Jets are concerned, their interviews are underway um, here in Indianapolis. So they're talking to prospects at night. They have an opportunity to speak to 60 of the 330 prospects here in Indianapolis. Formal interviews, but informal interviews are taking place as well. 
Uh, the, um, the medicals are very important here, but this is an opportunity for each team scouting staff to get with the player, uh, sit him down, and get a chance to know him on a one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one basis uh, here. And then after uh, the combine wraps up, the free agency is going to be starting. Uh, the Jets have been very busy this offseason. We know that. Uh, most recently, they released Darrell Rivas, uh, Nick Mangold, Nick Folk, and Breno Giacomini. Mike McKagan has repeatedly stated uh, since the offseason began that he wants to build this team through the draft. Uh, with that being said, it's going to be interesting to see how this team approaches free agency now because they've cleared some money up, uh, obviously, with the cap. So they got close to $30 million. Uh, that's what uh, the New York Post, Brian Costello, is reporting, uh, close to $30 million. Um, and we'll have to see how the Jets go about their business. One thing McKagan did uh, before the offseason actually began was he struck uh, keeping Brian Winters off the market, re-signing that veteran guard. So you're keeping Winters and James Carpenter together. I think that's one of the finer uh, guard tandems in the National Football League. Nick Mangold let go center, seven-time Pro Bowler, but the Jets did like what they saw out of Wes Johnson last year. And then uh, at the cornerback position, Darrell Rivas released 25 interceptions, 112 PDs for Rivas in his eight seasons with the New York Jets, two separate stints. Woody Johnson said, listen, uh, Darrell's home will always be with the New York Jets. Momentarily, we're going to be joined by Kim Jones of NFL Network. Once again, we thank Brian Costello of the New York Post and Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback for joining us. I'm going to take some Twitter questions right now. Rick Flair, I like that handle. Are the Jets overlooking Watson at six? Sure, his accuracy is shaky, but he steps up when it matters. Uh, Rick Flair, I would say that uh, I don't think the Jets are underlooking anybody right now. They're going to take a, a thorough uh, evaluation of each uh, prospect who is here and even the prospects who are not here. Uh, Albert Breer just talked about a guy like uh, Joe Mixon who uh, was not invited to the Combine. There are a few players this year not invited into the Combine. Um, but the Jets are going to do all their due diligence on all the top quarterbacks in the draft, whether it be Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina, Deshaun Kaiser from North Carolina. Um, from Notre Dame, it's going to be fascinating to see how the quarterback dominoes actually fall uh, this year for the Jets and the rest of the National Football League. Right now, two quarterbacks on the roster uh, for the Jets. That is Christian Hackenberg, who was a second-round pick, had a redshirt season for the Jets. And then Bryce Petty got his feet wet in the National Football League last year, unfortunately, torn labrum in his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. Both Geno Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick unrestricted free agents, so they'll be out there on the market. Uh, free agency, um, quarterbacks, uh, Kirk Cousins will not be on the market. He just got a uh, franchise tag. The uh, Redskins just placed the franchise tag on Cousins. Uh, Mike Lennon going to be on the market. I'm going to be joined right now by uh, Kim Jones. From the NFL Network, it is good to see you. What's up, EA? 
How are you in the Jets? Oh, uh, we are doing well. So, Good. what do you think about this setup here uh, in Indianapolis, the convention center? Because typically, over the years, we've been across the street at Lucas Oil. Yeah. Well, change is difficult. Change is hard for me. You, you um, it's okay, though. Yeah, you have to get your bearings. Yes. I have to see. I have to sneak up on people here because I need stuff on the players. The guys who are going to go through the drills Friday through Monday on NFL Network. So I need opinions from coaches, GMs, personnel guys. And I used to know where to find them at the other place. Now I have to kind of track them down a little bit, hallway in here. But it's working out. It's working out. Okay. Yeah, and fans are going to be through here uh, Friday through through the weekend. Well, and the bench press will be here, not over at the stadium, which is different. And... Uh, I would imagine it's going to be pretty loud over and, there. And people will watch. Yes. Like, fans will watch. Yeah. So, go figure, right? Um, uh, Kim, uh, Jets are very busy this offseason. Very busy, yes. Uh, what do you make uh, some, some of the moves here, releasing prominent veterans, a pair uh, guys who are going to be in the ring of honor for this team, right. uh, Darrell Reeves and Nick Mangold, and then uh, letting go also the number two scorer in the franchise's history, and Nick Folk and uh, Breno Giacomini as well. And the list goes on, right? I, I just, um, and may they may not be finished. Um, we'll hear from Mike and uh, Todd, I guess, tomorrow now. Yes. But I think it's a rebuild. You know, I, it, the Band-Aid effect, a lot of people try it. They tried it. They, they were this close to making the playoffs two years ago, as you guys know. But um, it didn't work. And at, ta- at one point or another, you have to rebuild. And that's what I feel like they're doing. It's a tough thing to admit. And I don't know if Mike or Todd will use that kind of language or that word exactly with us, but it seems pretty apparent, doesn't it? Now, McKagan said at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and Woody Johnson was clear about it too, that they want to build this yep. team through the draft. Yes, and they'll have an opportunity to do that. They have a first, a second, and two-thirds. Yes. Um, I have said, and I, I think it's about, uh, you know, certainly the way to go or the way to think, Mike McKagan has to hit on those four picks. Yeah. In my opinion, opening day, your first, second, and both third-round picks need to be on the field because I think this is a roster where young players can grow. Um, I would like to think that Todd uh, and his coaching staff, who, let's, let's be honest, any rebuild is tough for the coach. The GM can, can manage it. It's tough for a coaching staff. But I think Todd is the kind of guy that that will not bother. I've talked to people here today who know Todd Bowles better than I, and they all say Todd can handle anything you throw at him. Yeah. They have great confidence in Todd Bowles, the men who've worked with him before, exactly, that it's not going to phase him. He's not going to be a week-to-week, up-and-down kind of guy. But coach up these young players, get them on the field, and let them grow. That, that's, that's the way you're going to eventually build. And, you know, by the time you build, maybe Tom Brady will decide to retire. You never know. Well, you just mentioned Tom Brady. So what do you think about the Jets' quarterback landscape right now? Uh, Geno Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, heading to a free agency. Right. Uh, Christian Hackenberg, a Penn State product, second-round yep. pick. Had a redshirt season. And then uh, Bryce Petty, uh, last year we saw him in the National Football League for the first time. Unfortunately, went down with the torn labor. Right. So he's coming off off-season uh, shoulder surgery. Uh, and he'll be back at some point. Yeah, I... I... You get the feeling they're going to add to that mix, of course. I mean, they're not going to just have the two. So you feel like you'll, they'll add to the mix probably two more for the offseason and everything. You, I'd like to see a three-man competition, uh, whether it goes through training camp or not, whether it goes through the entire preseason or not, and just see who wins it. Uh, Petty will be part of it. Hackenberg will be part of it. And then the unknown of who else will be part of it. But that's what I would like to see them do, really a competition, best man wins, and go forward from there. Do you see anything out there in free agency at this point that might make sense That's for the Jets? Tough. I mean, Mike Glennon, 
is probably the easy answer. You know, none of us have really seen him at length. Um, but Mike Glennon it would be in free agency, the one that guys you can trade for. I think we know the names. It's do you really want to give up picks? If you're going to rebuild, what do you want to really give up to bring in a bridge guy? Right. I think that's the question. So you look at free agency, a lot of the same names are out there every year or two, right? Um, but I guess Glenn, Glennon would be the one, and it obviously depends on his price tag, that you could bring in maybe a four-year deal that's really one of those NFL two-year deals and see if he helps you get through. But I, I'm not going to act like an expert on Mike Lennon because no. I'm not. I'm not sure who is out of Tampa Bay. Well, yeah, he's got a small sample size, yeah. bottom line. Uh, 30 touchdown passes uh, with the Buccaneers, 15 interceptions, and then uh, Jameis Winston came in and he began the backup quarterback there. Um, do you think uh, Christian Hackenberg can uh, can look at this as a little bit of a reset because now he's got a, a yep. new coaches and then John Morton and Jeremy Bates? Yeah, I, I would think so. Another reset for him. He's had a bunch of them. He's yeah. only twenty. He just turned twenty-two on Valentine's Day, I believe, and he's had a bunch of systems, a bunch of quarterbacks, coaches, a bunch of offensive coordinators, and head coaches. So, yeah, I would think so. I think I don't think mental toughness is an issue with Christian. I don't think toughness is an issue with Christian. Uh, I, I have a feeling he's working very hard this off season on mechanics and that kind of thing. But listen, there's no reason he can't come in and compete this season. He doesn't need another redshirt season. He doesn't need to sit again automatically. I think that there's no reason he can't come in, compete, and I would hope win the job. When you draft someone in the second round, you want them to very much be part of your program, not essentially sitting out. What are you hearing about some of the top uh, college quarterback prospects who are going to speak to the media here in right. Indy on Friday. And we know the top three names that uh, you know the people seem to have varying opinions mm-hmm. about are obviously Clemson's uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, North Carolina's Mitch Trubisky, right. and then uh, Deshaun Kaiser out of Notre right. Dame. And then uh, we got a, f- a fourth guy maybe added to the mix. I don't know, but it seems like a hot name out here is uh, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes yep. from Texas Tech. Yep. Uh, he is definitely an ascending guy yeah. on that list. He, he'll be a little bit different mechanically. It'll be interesting to see these guys throw. But what I'm getting from the people I'm talking to here is a lot of what, what we've been hearing whisper-wise and that sort of thing. You don't want one of these guys to have to come in and start for you. Yeah. So I'm not sure that how many of these guys would be automatically a first-round pick. In this draft, some of them, maybe all of them, will be first-round picks. That's just the way of the NFL. But this is a good year. I, I mentioned to someone here who does not need a quarterback. I said, is it a good year not to need a quarterback? And he smiled and said yes. Yeah, well, we'll have to see how it all plays out. Things can change quickly yeah, after sure. these uh, guys meet with uh, uh, teams this week. The Jets will meet with uh, 60 to 330 prospects of mm-hmm. uh, formal interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim Jones is going to be covering everything uh, for NFL Network. Thank you so much for stopping by and tomorrow uh, hey folks you're in luck because we'll be on live again at noon and Todd Bowles and Mike McKagan will go to uh, the podium and Kim will be covering that for NFL Network and we'll have you covered here on all your Jets platforms